0: Welcome to Word of Grace, a local assembly in the Berkshires. Thank you for joining us for this time in the Word. I'm gonna read in Romans 8, uh, starting at verse 28, and then I'll finish in verse 39. I'm just gonna read those scriptures and uh, just get God's thoughts for us on those (coughs) this morning. So, and it says in verse 28, and we know, And that's what God wants us to know. He wants us to know and experience that all things, and when we see this in the King James, it says all things work together. But really what it says is is that all things are working together for good, for God's divine good. To them, of course, that love God and those that are have been loved of God and love him and are called, are the called. Notice what it says. In his love, we are the called. He's called us. And that's what love does. It's always calling to get our attention so that it can impart to us what's already been given to us in Christ. So we're the called according to his purpose. And that's what he wants us to begin to see and experience and to understand that everything about us has to do with his purpose. So we need to understand and grow in his purpose. And then in verse 29, it says, for whom he did foreknow. And that should be very comforting to us this morning, because long before we ever even thought of him, He knew us, and that not only means that he knew us individually and intimately and personally, but that he knew all about us. He knew every single thing about us. He knew every single thing that would happen to us, and it couldn't have happened if it wasn't working together for the good. It never would have come to us if it wasn't working together for the good. But just think about that. Uh, How much, even in his love for us, when we didn't know it, was being (laughs) expressed to us. Mm. And that's quite an amazing thing to think about. Mm. And that's why we are in time. That's why we're on the earth. And that's what he is showing to us. He is showing to us the proof of a love that knew us and loved us, knowing every single thing about us, every single thing that would happen <coughs> to us, and that he loved us when we didn't even know it. And it wasn't even about him receiving that love back to us. He was satisfied with the love that he had for us, just in the own, his own expression of that love in himself to us when we didn't even know it. In other words, it was a love that was about us, but fully satisfied, complete in itself, long before we even ever knew it, knowing every thing, single thing that would happen to us in time.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And that's why nothing can separate us from it.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> because it didn't have anything to do with us. It was just Him and the way that He created us to express Himself to us and him even loving himself in the way that he expressed his love towards us and our own individuality. In other words, God's love is so individual for each of us. It's so individual and so precise in, in such a detailed way. In other words, God created you and I in a way in a special way of that love that was expressed in his mind towards us, that in you know, only the way that you and I could express it here in time. It, it, there's no other way, and there's not a thing between it. Mm. Again, because of these scriptures. Mm. So, And that's what it means, he, whom he did foreknow. Yeah. Yeah. There was never a time he didn't know us in the perfection And the completion and the satisfaction of his love. Never. And so because obviously those he did (laughs) foreknow. And that's security. That's the most incredible security. That's a resting place. We have the eternal love of God in time as a pillow to rest our heads on. And that's why we'll see that nothing can be against it. But whom... For whom, for whom, and it was for us, that he knew us, even before we knew it, even before we could experience it, even before we could receive it, it was already done and finished for us in an individuality that only that particular Christian, that person, could experience it in intimacy. So he did foreknow. And then, of course, for the fact that he foreknew us, he also did predestinate us. He foreordained in his perfect plan for you and I to be conformed to the image of his son. Meaning this, that when we read in John 1, verse 1, and we were saying this the other night, uh, to some people on the phone that that we have fellowship with also in different parts of the country but we were saying that it says in the beginning was the word and the word was with god and really there's not even any was <laughs> because that speaks of a of almost a beginning mm-hmm. but really it really what it's saying in in the beginning in other words in eternity past <laughs> if we can say that there's a past and eternity.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: The Word, God, the Word, who is Jesus Christ, the whole Logos, the Word, the Word, God, he's God. In the beginning, the Word, and the Word, it says, with God. And that little word, with, in the Greek, we brought up before, is a very short four-letter word in the Greek and it's P-R-O-S, pros. And it means that there's never been a time in the deity, in the essential nature of who God is, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. There was never a time When God the Father and Jesus Christ the Son were never not in this eternal embrace of a most affectionate love (laughs) that was expressed going back and forth. In other words, even the whole time when Jesus walked on the face of the earth in his humanity, still he never was separated in deity (laughs) from God. (laughs) Never. Because God can't cease to be who he is. And God who was one, there's one God, but the manifestation of that is in three God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. So here's this eternal embrace that's always been between the Father and the Son. Well, this is a beautiful embrace. And then proceeding from them both, even in his own individuality, is the Holy Spirit. And uh, that's how we, to, we are to understand it. And that's why we need so much to rely upon him and depend upon him uh, for these truths. Mm-hmm. But where it says conformed to the image of his son in Romans 8, verse 29, what he's saying is, I am conforming you in time on earth the way that I loved you in my son, in this eternal embrace. Long before you knew it, I was embracing you in this affectionate, intense, satisfied desire and expression of my love for you, and it's for you, each one of you, in your (coughs) own individuality. No one can experience that love the way that you can, the way that I can. And that's what I'm conforming you to. That's, what I, that's why we're here on time, in time, so that you can get to experience in, in an intimate way through everything and to show you that in Song of Solomon 8, verse 7, many waters, many trials, many temptations, many things coming against us cannot quench that love. Can't do it. Can't, can't be quenched. You can't put it out. You can't put out who I am in my love and its expression towards you, at least from my side. And I want it to be on yours. And that's why I've created you the way that you are, so that you can be conformed to the image of my son. And the image of his son is the expression of his love in, towards you and I in a way that only you and I can do that. It really is amazing. It's very amazing uh, that he might be. Listen, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Now, what does that mean? This is what this means. I've never studied it this way before till this morning. Never got it this way till this, this very moment and this morning right now. Never, because this wasn't at all what I was going to preach on. At least the way I thought. But to be the firstborn is this, that Jesus Christ came and when he put on humanity in John 1, verse 14, he was always the son of God. But that now he came and because of his person and his humanity and the accomplishment of his work to his father on our behalf, in the, that he came to each one of us as the expression of that love, so that each one of us would be, in that sense, the firstborn, we would receive it from him. And we would be continually, it's like brand new, firstborn love. And he's given us a taste on earth, what we're gonna experience for all eternity. So in that sense, he's the firstborn to us in a way that He can't be any other way because he designed us specifically to be the... That's why even Paul would say in 2 Corinthians 4-7 that we have this treasure Mm -hmm. (laughs) and in the intimacy and expression of the treasure of that love can be... It can't be... In a sense, we can share that love with each other, but there's an intimacy that we have with it that we will all have for all eternity with Christ, that no one else can have in that intimacy. We'll all share in that love, but it will be so intimate for all eternity. Wow. And, we, and, and we're and to be on this earth right now, in a sense, to other people, hey, this firstborn love towards you. This firstborn towards you. Then it says, moreover, even, okay, so even moreover than this, he did predestinate them he also called. Mm-hmm. He preplanned, he foreordained everything about us on this earth to be conformed to a love that, that always is for us in its own individuality. And only a way that we could express, uh, that he could express it to us in intimacy of fellowship. Impressive. Wow. Moreover, them he did predestinate them he also called. And whom he called, them he also justified. So it was a love
1: mm-hmm.
0: that not only called us, but of course, in the calling, he justified us, meaning he cleared us of all guilt through his son that would come and would be the one that would remove anything that would come in between that love. That's why we don't have to wait.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: We may have to confess sin. Yeah, in 1 John 1, 9, we can confess it because it, it inhibits us from receiving that love that we just, listen, we cannot do without it. <laughs> I mean, it's only a matter of time, boy. We, can, we just can't do without the experience and that intimate expression of that love for us. We've got to have it. And when we don't have it, or in other words, it's ours, but when we don't experience it, there's where the fear and there's where the insecure and all these other things can come in. So, them he also justified, and whom he justified, meaning cleared of all guilt, because he condemned in Jesus. And remember, Jesus was the lamb slain before the foundation of the earth, Revelations 13, verse 8. See? And whom he justified means to be cleared of all guilt. Then he also glorified. And that's what our future is. Our future is just unbelievable, filled with all kinds of glory. And we will shine out that glory in a most intimate way.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Then. If all of those things are true, and they are, and they're not only true, and we found out this morning that they're not only true in time for us to experience it, but they were always true in the eternal mind of God so that nothing in time could do anything about it. Mm -hmm. So then, what will we say to these things? (laughs) I mean, what's there to say to these things that we just heard? And remember, it's not if. In the translations in your Bible, in Romans 8.31, if it says this, if, you can cross it out and say since. Because it's a first-class fulfilled condition. It was a condition that was fulfilled in eternity past in the Lamb that was slain for us. Yes, we had to receive him in time, of course, for us to experience that love. But really what it is, is since God for us, who against us? Really, the Greek makes it very clear. God for us? Who against us? What hasn't Christ dealt with that could be against us? What, could, what is it? Is it some feeling in us? Is it some effect? He's dealt with it all. God for us, who against us. Why? Well, what do you mean? Well, you want proof, and do I want proof that God is for us today? Oh, I don't feel like he's for us. Well, those are feelings, and those are based on a lie. They have nothing to do with the truth of his eternal love that he has for us. Our feelings have nothing to do with his love for us. Only in the, in, in the truth that we can rely on him, receive that love, and then have very good feelings, very good emotions, very good feelings. So what, what proof do we need that God's for us? Well, that he that spared not his own son. I mean, he didn't spare his own son of anything. But delivered him up. Look what it says. For us. <laughs> we don't want to skip by that. He is for us. I sent my son in time for you so that you could see that I was for you long before you ever knew it and I've always been for you in my love for you. I've always been for all of you, those that would be in my son. And because of that, then how will I not with him, God is speaking this to us, how then I will not with him also freely give us all things. In other words, what God is saying is listen, I've given you the best that I could ever give you, my son. I've given him to you. He put on humanity and came and gave himself to you and and in him giving himself to you he was giving I, I gave him my son as the father, but he gave you me as his father. that's why he could say to Mary at his resurrection, in John 20, verse 17, I am going to my father and your father. My God and your God. He's every bit now as much as your father is. He's mine. Is my God as he is yours. And since I gave him that like that to you since I already gave you the greatest in giving, and that's what love is it's giving Mm
1: -hmm.
0: then will I stop being a giver will I not always give you what that love through my son has already accomplished for you Mm. will I stop giving you no Philippians 4 verse 19 my God will supply all your need oh yes he will according to his riches and glory that are in Christ Jesus, right? We are located, and I am located. We are located in his eternal embrace of the most affectionate love for us. So because of these things now, in verse 33, who will lay anything to the charge of God's elect? In other words, who's going to bring a charge to God about us? When it is God that already cleared us of all guilt, justified mm-hmm. us. I mean, who's going to bring in charge? What can someone say to me when I function in a love that's done it all for me?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Then can really anybody truly really hurt me <laughs> mm-hmm. or be against me if God is for me?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And if it seems that God has allowed someone in my life to be against me, it's only to reveal in a more intense way how complete and amazing his love for me is, even in that situation. So what even Satan may mean for evil, in Genesis 50, verse 20, God means for good. Right? Because all things work together for the good. To them that love God. To the good, see? All things. All things then become the opportunity for God to express this love towards us because it's in us mm-hmm. we have the treasure in us and what is in us he wants to express to us
1: mm-hmm.
0: and then he wants us to express it like he said in John 13 34 and 35 express that love towards one another so who is it that can can go to God and charge me? With something, if it's God that's cleared me of all guilt. Who is he that condemns? It is Christ that died. <laughs> in other words, mm-hmm. he's the one. God, the Father, condemned in Jesus Christ whatever could be used to condemn us. So who can condemn us? None. None. It is Christ that died. Oh, and yea, even more so. Yea, rather, that is risen again. Who is even at the right hand of God. As a man. In humanity. Representing us in him. Mm -hmm. Seated. At the right hand of the Father. And oh, by the way. He's making intercession for us. And he makes intercession for us. Because He knows in the anticipation of the expression of his love, the sin that might come in our life to come in between it. And he begins to make intercession for us, even before we fail. So this love loves us before we fail, loves us when we fail, loves us after we fail. And of course, when we understand and receive and bathe ourselves in this kind of love, we would not purposely want to do anything to inhibit that love. Of course we wouldn't. That's why Paul would say in in Romans 6.1 and in Romans 6.15, God forbid that I should sin, that grace where love pours through may abound. (laughs) Of course not course not and in Romans 3 8 should I do evil that good may abound oh no we don't we don't need to receive any uh, lies from Satan or any excuse to sin because all the excuses have been dealt with by him by Christ And we don't have to live in the excuse of it. We don't. And we never want to ever excuse it in our lives. (laughs) But just if it does enter our lives, we don't have to be condemned. We can just be lovingly convicted to confess it and have our feet washed so we can still fellowship with him and that incredible love that he has for us. So... He makes intercession for us in the, the anticipation of his love. So who then, who then can separate us from the love of Christ? Truthfully, is there any that could? Will tribulation, I mean, can tribulation separate the way that God loves me in Christ in time? And it's impossible. Or distress, a lot to be distressed about today, but can it separate his love for me? And does he want that distress to be a a means of separation or a means of him manifesting his love for me right in the midst of that distress? (laughs) Or persecution, that's a tough one. That can be hard, especially when it's people that you love and that they, they misunderstand you and so forth, that persecution, that can be hurtful, but it still, means, it, it still means that we can withdraw into his love and not be affected by that and still love the one that's doing that to us because we're in the one that not only loves us but loves them. And that's something he's teaching us all the time. Or famine. Or famine. Maybe there's times where not just spiritual, not just uh, physical food, but spiritual food. When, and there's times of famine when we really desire the word. Those could be the times when he wants us all to ourselves. And just I all I want to do is love you. All I want to do is express my love for you. I know you want to learn new things about me, but you can't even go on to learn the new things about me until I'm able to express how much I love you. And then the expression of that love that you receive Will have you ready to receive more than I have for you? And that's what a lot of us can miss out on, and he doesn't want us to, but he's still in the business of redeeming us. (laughs) Or nakedness, or peril, danger, or sword. As it is written, for your sake, we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. But no, in, in all these things, you know, those things that we so desperately want to get out of. <laughs> and we don't want them. We, we, we don't want them. But he said, no, in all these things, I want to show you that my love for you has conquered it all. I, I've conquered everything for you personally on your behalf so that nothing can inhibit me from expressing my love for you, you receiving it, and you expressing that love back to me. Mm -hmm. And that's called fellowship. We can actually fellowship. Fellowship is and one of the basic meanings is we have things in common. Well, God is love, he loves himself, but God loves me. And with that love, that he loves me with, now I love him. We have it in common. I have that love that I can love him with. I have that in common with him. Very interesting and very powerful. In all these things we're more than conquerors, through him that love us. For I am persuaded, and that's what he's doing through all these things that are in our life. He's persuading us of a love that nothing can conquer because that love has conquered it all. I'm persuaded that neither death, because Christ set us free from that in Hebrews 2, 14 and 15. He set us free from the fear of death, having died for us and as us. Mm -hmm. And he has power over death in Hebrews 10, uh, John 10, 17 and 18. So neither anything that death could bring, he's conquered and even anything in life in this life where we are right now in time, he's conquered it. We're more than conquerors in him. More. Nor angels, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present. In other words, nothing angelic in the unseen realm (laughs) he hasn't conquered. (laughs) Nothing. Nothing that's seen that we can see, that could affect us. And even the unseen, what we can't see, he's already conquered because it was a love that he so wanted to express to us in intimacy in a way that only he has prepared for that individual to experience it. Nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature will be able to separate us from the love of God, or the God of love, that's who he is, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. And he sent his son. And we, in time, we said yes to him so that we could experience the intimacy of that expression Mm -hmm. that they shared in eternity in love for us. So Father, we thank you for The truth of your word. We thank you that we are more than conquerors. Hupernikeo. Hupernikeo. Paul, the Holy Spirit had to give a a new Greek word, never heard of, by putting two different Greek words together to show us, just to show him and to show us just how much we in Christ are above everything. And that we don't have to walk by, our, we don't allow our thinking to be governed by our feelings or what happens to us, but by a love that's conquered it all. We thank you for it today, and we're just trusting you to continue to reveal to us the truth that you've given to us by the power of the Holy Spirit. As that Holy Spirit takes the things of Christ, who he is and what he's accomplished, on our behalf, In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening in. We hope you were blessed and God was glorified. Feel free to go to our website at awordofgrace.org for daily posts and teachings.